Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke's Gospel. Matthew shows Jesus as the King of Kings. Mark shows him as a servant or a slave. Luke shows him as human, a man. And John shows him as divine, the Son of God. While you're turning to Luke chapter 2, leadership team, if I could meet in the, with you right after the, the communion service in the adult Sunday school class, just for a few minutes, I would appreciate it, uh, right after the service, after the communion. And we are going to be having communion today, so prepare your hearts, make sure everything's right as best as you possibly can. Let me read to you from a, maybe a translation different than the one you have. It's kind of a combination, actually, because I, I, I've consulted a couple of different translations. So listen to this, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. 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 We're talking about Syria. Here we are, 2,000 years ago, significant all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And a lot of times, census would then predicate what was necessary for taxation. So some of the translations talk about taxation. That's not a contradiction. It's just simply uh, an expansion on what the purpose of the census was. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem. Anyone know what the name Bethlehem means? Anybody know what it means? Yes, ma'am. House of bread. Bethlehem, house of bread. Now, that's going to be very interesting, isn't it, in just a minute. So they were going back to Bethlehem and Judea and David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée. We talked last week about the, different, the two different stages of marriage in the Hebrew culture. Uh, the one, the betrothal, which, which amounted to a marriage, a legitimate, legally binding marriage without the intimate involvement of the couple yet, and then the finality where they actually became husband and wife in every sense, in the physical sense as well. So he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant, had not yet had intimate relationship with her, and while they were there, the first time, uh, the time rather, came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. That night, that same night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Now, no, you know what? We've read this story. You've heard this story every year for however old you are, and it can kind of lose some of its mystery and mystique, but I want you to stop and think for a minute. What if you tonight, out sitting in your patio in the back, or out in the backyard, what if all of a sudden a bright shining light appeared to you? What if all of a sudden a body, an entity appeared that claimed to be an angel from Almighty God? I mean, you would, first of all, wonder, you know, what's going on? You would wonder what was in the food you ate. You would wonder, you know, are you seeing things? And yeah, you are. Uh, but that's what happened to these guys. So don't, don't just gloss over that. All of a sudden, there's this bright light, the radiance of God's glory around them, and they were terrified. I woke up um, 
It was a couple of months ago, they, uh, and, and I thought there was a helicopter right out behind our house shining a bright light in our house. I mean, it was just like intense, something that had never been there before. And I, I, was, I got up and didn't have my glasses. I'd go back and get my glasses on so I could see what was going on. And it was the power pole out on a hill, and it was arcing, and it was burning up, and it was like a, an intense, bright light. Uh, it didn't scare me, but it got my attention. In this situation, they were out there on the hills, and this light was so, uh, so incredible, they were terrified, but the angel assured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. They, any good Jew knew that there was a promise of a coming Savior. Just like every good Christian today who's been around the Word of God very much knows that Jesus is coming again. Amen? You know that? You looking forward to that? I sure am. I hope he comes before April 15th. I hope he comes right away. I wish he would come today. I mean, before the service is over, it'd be okay with me. But they knew about the coming of the Messiah. It was prophesied, had been prophesied all the way since the Garden of Eden. And that prophecy continued to develop until today, this day. He says he's been born in the city of David. You'll recognize him by this sign, Simeon, special, uh, like it's a neon sign with an arrow pointing, you know, a very special sign, wouldn't apply to anybody else. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of God. I love that. Angels are the armies of a living God. I mean, army, angels are powerful. There's an instant in the Old Testament of one angel destroying 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One angel, 185,000. Here's a host of angels appearing. The power there, incredible, delegated by Almighty God. And these, these armies evidently could sing too. Did you watch the, uh, the cadets and, 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 the, and the Army uh, and, and Navy midshipmen singing together the national anthem yesterday? Incredible, wonderful. And so these armies of heaven, they all began singing and praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest and in heaven and, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that just happened, which our Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in a manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everybody what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Look at this. But Mary kept all these things in her heart. Oh, can you imagine Hey, every mom loves their baby. Every mom loves their baby. Every, to every mom, their baby's special. To every, to every mom, their baby's beautiful. It doesn't matter how ugly it is. They think it's beautiful. <laughs> to every mom, there's a special place there. And you know what? When you grow up, you're always going to be their baby. Moms always love their kids. And, and, and she, she heard this, that the shepherds were saying about her baby. And she just she was just... Uh, about to burst. It was so incredible. She kept these things in her heart, the Bible says, and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, meanwhile, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. Now that's the real Christmas story. Now we have all kinds of other Christmas stories. We have all the things about trees and presents and 
and gifts and, you know, gingerbread houses and you know, angels on top of the trees or stars on top of the tree, whatever. We have all these other things, but, but, and gifts is a big deal to a lot of people. And I, I hope that we can keep it in right perspective. Besides, have you noticed how many gifts come unassembled anymore? Hey, have you noticed the toys? Now I got a two and a half year old, almost three, coming up on three year old grandson. Everything's, I can't believe they are like arc welded into a box that you can't possibly take apart without a jackhammer and a skill saw and, and, and a lot of patience. I mean, they, it's just nuts. And, and then so many gifts come unassembled. I can remember uh, our Christmases have uh, gone by and putting together bicycles and doll houses and swing sets. That was a pain. Worst one was a barbecue grill. That was absolutely insane. That was absolutely, and that was my gift given to me. I had to put it together. But everything comes on a symbol, especially stuff from Ikea. Thanks a lot, Dennis. Especially stuff from Ikea. Those are the all-time worst. The directions are written by somebody who doesn't even vaguely, uh, is not vaguely familiar with English grammar or spelling. And so we would... The night before Christmas, or maybe a night or two before Christmas, we would sit up late, sticking slot A, tab A into slot B, nailing, screwing, gluing, riveting, often speaking in tongues way into the middle of the night. Well, Christmas kind of comes to us unassembled also. There are steps we have to take for it to be joyful and merry, and I know that some of you are carrying heavy burdens that maybe you've never carried before on a Christmas, and this is like, how in the world can this Christmas be happy in the light of that? Well, there's some things that we need to do, and if we do do those, God can give us an abiding joy that transcends our deepest sorrows. And the instruction book is right here. The instruction book is written so that we can understand it if we'll get into it. So step one is seek and find. Seek and fine. The outline in your bulletin, the outline is also online if you want to do that. But it came to pass, the angels were going away. Uh, they told the shepherds, and then the Bible says in, in verse 16, and they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. The shepherds decided this was just too good an event to pass up. This was something they couldn't just let slide. They wanted to see it for themselves. It wasn't enough to know that the Savior had been born. They wanted to go see him with their own eyes. They wanted to go experience that. And so they they left the sheep with some other shepherds. They made haste. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And a true joyous Christmas is not the office party or in the shopping mall or even under the tree, but rather it's found in finding Jesus and recognizing that he is the most important person in our lives. And they found him in the first king-size bed ever made. It was a feeding trough. A manger. We've got a little nativity set in the back on the table. I don't know. When I grew up, I thought, well, a manger, that's so cool. A manger. It just sounds cool. Manger. And then I'd go visit my granddad who had horses and cows and pigs. And I would look at the feed trough that was chewed on and that was abused, and it was nasty. And at some point, I realized that a manger is a fancy name for a feed trough where animals came and slobbered and ate and chewed on and kicked and brushed up against 
And that became a bed for a king. And I had a little trouble early on trying to figure that out. He was born in a stable in Bethlehem because there was no room. Bethlehem, the bread of life, would be born in, in the house of bread. He is the bread of life. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he was the bread of life, born in the house of bread in Bethlehem, in a little manger. And so if you wanted to see Jesus 2,000 years ago, you had to go looking for him. They didn't have the nativity story on film in the theaters locally. They didn't have, you couldn't go into a Christian bookstore and buy books about him. You, there, there were no pictures of him. There were uh, hanging in your house. There was, there was nothing about Jesus at that point in time. If you wanted to know about him, you had to go find him. And Isaiah kind of prepared the way. He said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him when he, while he is near. And James said it this way, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And you know what? The same is true today. If you really want to know Jesus, you got to go find him. Now, he's, he's looking for you, but you, you can't hide from him. You can't run from him and expect to know him. You've got to find him in the pages of the book. You've got to find him in, in preaching from, uh, of the gospel. You've got to find him from people who know him and know what he can do. And so if you look for him, you would find him, and then you would know joy. And one of the things that is great about uh, whatever crises you're going through or have been through this year, one of the wonderful things, consolations to me is that one of these days in Christ, everything will be made right. I'll be able to see my mom and dad again, my grandparents again, loved ones and friends who died in Christ and will live for eternity, not just for a little while and then get sick and die again, live for eternity. And that brings an abiding joy. And if it were not for Christ being born in the manger 2,000 years ago as the spotless son of Almighty God, born of a virgin, fulfilling every single prophecy, over 300 prophecies, if it were not for that, I wouldn't have a Savior because he wouldn't have been qualified to be nailed on the cross to be the sacrifice for my sins. But because he did and because he was, I have joy in the fact that there can be a reunion one day. I have joy in the fact there will be a day when there won't be refugees. I enjoy the fact that one day there won't be heart disease and cancer. I enjoy the fact that one day there'll be no, no uh, wars and animosity and hatreds, variances. So my question to you in this point is, are you seeking him today? Or are you hiding from him? Or are you running from him? You can't outrun God. Where will you go? <laughs> and how fast do you think you can run? You can't. Give yourself to him today. So seek and find. Step two, go and tell. When the shepherds saw what the angel said they were going to see, then the Bible says they made known abroad the saying that had been told them about this child. So they went out telling everybody about what they found. The shepherds increased their own joy and guess what? Made it possible for others to have that same joy because they heard the news, the good news. That's what gospel means. It's, a, it's actually a, a military term. The gospel, the good news. They would, they would send the gospel when they won a battle. And here was the biggest battle of all, the battle of sin. And, and being made righteous, and so the good news was, was delivered, and, and their joy increased, and they made it possible for others to, to have joy because they heard about the gospel. So are we doing the same? I drive a weird car. It's just like unlike anything else. 
I have this thing for, you know, Avantis. And so, you know, my wife several years ago, because every time I would stop at a gas station, almost every time I stop at a store somewhere, and even while I'm driving down the road in town, people will pull up and they'll go, you know, roll down your windows. So I roll down my window. What kind of car is that? That's what they say. So I have actually gospel tracts made up. Donnie, you, you worked on them before. And, and I print it up. And when someone says, what kind of car is that? I say, what'd you say? And they're like, uh, I said, what kind of car is that? And I give that to them. And they always crack up because it says, what kind of car is that? And it talks about the car. And it talks about the company, Studebaker, being you know, founded. And then it goes bankrupt. And then rises up out of the ashes, this whole new, com- this whole new company, Avanti Motor Corporation, whatever. And, and then I talk about, guess what? That's like us. Because we fell by sin, and we're destined for hell, but then Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, and, and we, can, we can be resurrected to a new life. And so I, I give those out. When I go to restaurants, I, have, I always give a good tip, and I don't, care, I don't care what kind of service I get. I don't care how lousy the food is. I always give a good tip, because I don't know what they're going through, right? And they maybe have had a really rough day, and maybe it's the cook messing them up, and the waitress can't help that. Uh, so I always give them a good tip, and, uh, and, and with that tip, I always give them this get-out-of-hell-free card. <laughs> and on the back, it says, we all deserve to go to hell, and it's got scriptures, and then God has provided a way, a get-out-of-hell-free card and some scriptures, and then let Jesus bail you out forever and some more scriptures. And I give those out uh, as trying to go and share the gospel with everybody. I have some great neighbors. We've got some that we've been working on mm, for seven years, and guess what? She said the other day she may come with us Christmas Eve. We've been inviting her. You know what else I've been doing? I'm not telling you. I'm telling you this because this is part of my strategy, and I hope maybe it'd be part of yours. You know what I do? I carry their. I take their trash cans up to their uh, on trash day. I carry them up and put them up away for them. If they don't get to them first, I do it first. We establish rapport. We tell them. And and so are we, my question to you is, are you letting your light shine? If God has made a real difference in your life, is is it working itself out into practice on an everyday basis? Or are you Scrooge and and grouchy and mean? What's that? What's that green guy at Christmas time? The Grinch. Are you the Grinch? You know what? If you're the Grinch, don't tell people you go to First Baptist Church. <laughs> tell them you go to some other church, okay? Lie. <laughs> don't say, don't be a real curmudgeon and then say, and by the way, I go to First Baptist Church. You want to come? <laughs> That's not going to fly. Don't do that. Are you letting your light shine? If God's made a difference in your life, are you letting that shine? Or are you, in fact, hiding it under a bushel or not living a life consistent with the profession of faith that you make? Witnessing is simply telling others about him. What if, what if we had a cure for cancer? What if you knew a cure for cancer and you didn't tell anybody? We've got something, a cure for something worse than cancer because it's eternal death. Seek and find, go and tell. Step three, you want to have a joyous Christmas. Step three, hear and wonder. Luke chapter 2, verse 18. And they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They wondered. You know what the Amplified Bible says? They were astounded. 
I guess so. What? God born? What? God born as a little baby? In Bethlehem? Right here in our own country? What? It means astounded and marveled. They marveled at that. They were amazed at that. And again, I say, don't get callous to the wonder of Jesus' birth. Don't say, oh, I've heard that so many times. It just doesn't move me anymore. It's mysterious. It's miraculous. It's amazing. It's nothing we would have ever thought of. Recapture the wonder of Almighty God, born of a virgin. That's a miracle. Laid in a cattle trough, not in a... Not on fine silk, on a beautiful bed in a castle somewhere or a mansion somewhere. Go out with that and invite your family and your neighbors and your coworkers to church and even more importantly to the Lord. Seek and find, go and tell, hear and wonder. Step four, keep and ponder. It's an interesting word, ponder. It means literally, well, well, first of all, Mary kept these things, pondered them in her heart. And pondered means meditate upon, to think about. We all do that. We all meditate on things. You may not realize it's meditating. If you're worrying about something, you're meditating on that thing that's bugging you, on that thing that's worrying you. It's when your mind becomes so interactive with something that you, you just roll it over and over and over and over and over in your mind. You keep thinking about it. You're meditating on it. Mary pondered. She meditated on everything that had to do with the birth of her miraculous baby. She, as a probably 15 or 16-year-old young lady, marveled and meditated and pondered on the Annunciation. An angel appeared to her. A literal angel of God appeared to her. She marveled and pondered the conception. How is that even possible, she said with innocence. How is that impossible? How is that possible? I've never even known a man in that physical sense. How can that happen? She marveled, maybe as every other woman who's ever had a child, at the development of that baby within her. She pondered the filling of the, the womb of Elizabeth, her cousin, when, when Mary went to visit and, and the baby within Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy, the cousin John that would be born, John the Baptist be born, he leapt for joy. She pondered that. She pondered the reaction that Joseph would have. What in the world is he going to think about me? I'm sure she thought. She pondered the taxation census time coinciding with the time of delivery, and that wasn't a good time to travel. She pondered the lack of proper accommodations. How's this all going to work? We can't even find a decent room. How in the world are we going to deliver a child safely? And she pondered that, and she pondered the shepherds when they came, and she pondered the wise men. Everything, she would remember it and rehearse it and think of it often throughout her life, no doubt. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Just as she kept those things, so we should keep these things, celebrate, observe the birth of the Son of God foremost in our hearts, and not let this other stuff that goes on 
become more important than what Christmas really is. Contemplating its true significance will get us over the superficial and unfold the true story of joy and awe. So seek and find, go and tell, hear and wonder, keep and ponder. Last of all, step five, return and praise. Return and praise. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Verse 20. They went back to their flocks. They went back to their responsibilities. They went back to their jobs, went back to their place of business. But they did so changed shepherds. Because now they were glorifying God, praising God, thankful to God. They had a whole new message. They had a whole new uh, uh, understanding of God's plan in their life. And so Christmas had changed them forever. And if the reality of Christmas hasn't changed you forever yet, then you need to meet Jesus. You need to know Christ. You need to return to work tomorrow morning, praising God for the gift of his son and rejoicing in a truly merry Christmas. Five simple steps. Seek and find. If you don't know for sure if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Seek him today. Find him today. He is here. He is ready to meet you. We can take five or six minutes and show you how to know him personally as your Lord and Savior before you.